Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. These days, we're all looking to show our appreciation for those on the front lines of the pandemic, whether it's tipping extra or participating in one of those neighborhood howls. And yes, those are residents of Washington Avenue in downtown St. Louis making their nightly 8 p.m. howl for healthcare workers. But that leads us to wonder what appreciation is most appreciated? Do healthcare workers want a flyover salute? Do they want a raise? What do they really want here? It's Cindy Lefton's job, in part, to answer those questions. She's been a registered nurse for 37 years. She's also an organizational psychologist, and she's the pro bono, pro bono director of research for the Daisy Foundation. That's a nonprofit organization that sought to recognize nurses for their compassion and skill long before anyone had heard of the coronavirus. And she joins us today to talk about that work and what we can learn from it. So, Cindy Lefton, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning. Now, you work as a nurse in an emergency room here in St. Louis. And so I have to just start by asking, how are you and your colleagues doing during all of this? Well, I'm very fortunate that I work with a wonderful team and we are taking care of each other. And that's great to hear. Does it feel significantly different for you and and your colleagues during this period of time than in a normal situation uh, when we're not in a pandemic? Well, I think that because everybody's been working that we really haven't had time to step back and go, oh, wow, like mm-hmm. the rest of the world that's working from home. And, you know, people are very busy. They're homeschooling their kids and all those kinds of things. But nurses, doctors, all of our great support services have been going to work every mm-hmm. day um, since this all started. So once things sort of settle, I think people will step back and go, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Sort of realize what they've even gone through. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, two people have had these experiences, especially you know what we're reading about on the coasts, uh, really particularly New York and the East Coast of of what that group has gone through, and um, you know, that's been pretty intense. But I mean, to just to really sort of take the whole thing in, it's it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I know the topic that we wanted to talk to you about today is appreciation, um, and specifically appreciation for nurses. And we had sort of put out a call to our listeners to hear if anybody had a nurse that they wanted to sort of tip their hat to. And what ended up happening was kind of remarkable. We actually got a voicemail about your own work as a nurse, Cindy. Uh, Dana Nichols-Scott left us a voicemail about you. And you and Dana <laughs> met back in 2001. I can here, you're laughing because you recognize this name, don't you? That's a, a little bit. And of I'm, a, I'm crying now, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait till you hear this voicemail. Um, so just to give our listeners some context, you met in 2001. This is when Dana's younger brother was in the emergency room. You were his nurse. And here's what Dana had to say about that. All of his organs were shutting down and didn't. Um, it appeared he was not going to be with us much longer. My heart was just breaking because I know I was about to lose my little brother, but Cindy just had this, her spirit was so beautiful, and she put me at ease talking to me and everything, and I just um, knew my brother's time was coming. He was about to transition, so something just came over me. I didn't want to be there at the time when that would happen, but I felt so good that 
an angel was there watching over my brother. So I left, and um, shortly after that, he passed. But Cindy was just, she was so awesome. She was caring and made me and my family feel so good at the time. Even when I think of that time now, doing troubled times, I, I feel at peace because there are people like Cindy around to help people and just, she's just a godsend. Thank you, Cindy. We still love you. Always will. Keep doing what you're doing. And that is our listener, Dana Nichols-Scott, um, a voicemail about our guest today, Cindy Lefton. Cindy, what do you feel like hearing that message from Dana? I, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm almost speechless, which is not usually my, my norm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, you know, that all of us nurses, we carry angels on our shoulders, and that's, you know, people are like, well, how do you do what you do? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not good at math unless you can put it in a syringe. <laughs> and, I, and so when somebody does accounting, I, I mean, I think that I'm in awe of that because numbers make me sweat. So I do what I do because that's what I, what I know. But when I hear that I've made a human connection with somebody and made a difference in their life. That's an angel on my shoulder that I carry with me and that I have in my heart to help other patients and also to help my coworkers recognize that they all have angels too. Mm-hmm. To realize just um, to have an accounting of, hey, you guys are doing some really important work and it's, it's touching people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I think too, you know, to that family in particular, uh, because they chose to keep me in in their life, that the gift that they have given me, because when days are really hard, and I think about them, then I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. So Mm -hmm. it's really a two-way street. And if you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking about a nurse that has touched you or your family, we want to hear about it. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air. You can also email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. And Cindy, I know that, that your work with the Daisy Foundation involves helping nurses have those same senses of, of understanding the impact that they're making. Um, how do you get that across to a nurse? Well, it's really interesting because Bonnie Barnes, who is one of the co-founders of the Daisy Foundation, who's been to just thousands and thousands of Daisy celebrations, she'll tell you, as will her husband, Mark Barnes, the other co-founder, that nurses will always say when they get recognition, I was just doing my job. And so my line through the research that we've done is to say, well, you may just be doing your job, but your job is pretty extraordinary. Mm. So tell us about um, these Daisy celebrations, these Daisy awards. How does that work for a nurse who's chosen for that honor? Well, first, I'm very proud to say that the majority of the hospitals in St. Louis are all Daisy Foundation, Daisy Award hospitals. So if you are a patient or a family member, you can nominate your nurse at whatever hospital you're at. 
And so that's what happens is, is that a patient or a family member or sometimes even a coworker will nominate a nurse for their extraordinary work. And the nominations go to a committee that's within the hospital made up of nurses, mm. and they go through all of these nominations. And boy, are they you know, just humanity at its best. And so some hospitals give a DAISY award out every month, some give them out every quarter, but the celebration is a surprise and the chief nurse executive is a part of that celebration and everybody just shows up on the floor and they start reading this nomination and when you see the nurse starting to recognize that that was his or her patient, it's just amazing. And at some uh, places, they even invite the patients and the family members too. They want to be a part of it. They want to say thank you. We've actually just finished another study where we wanted to understand from patients' perspective why it was so important for them to thank a nurse. Hmm. And you know, they, they, they want you to know how important you are in their life. And so this is something where it also benefits the patient uh, to be able to express this through this award? Absolutely. It's it's a it's I don't it's not a sense of closure because it's a continuation of that that human connection. But they 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 want the nurse to know what kind of impact they had on their life. Hmm. Now you mentioned this idea of extraordinary nursing, <clears throat> and the Daisy Foundation did a study that was focused on patient perceptions of extraordinary. Um, yep. What did you end up learning through that? Well, I think probably the biggest takeaway in in the world of templates, everybody wants to create a checklist. And you know, checklists are very good for certain things, but you can't make a checklist out of extraordinary nursing. What we learned was that it was about a nurse's ability to meet that patient's need in a given moment, and that moment can change in a second. Hmm. So it's just almost like the nurse recognizes what the patient's psychosocial needs are. You know, clinical has a little piece in there as well. But that you're able to address those needs, whether it's it's compassion or it's professionalism or it's making the patient feel like you're you're putting them first. And yeah, that uh, that seems like the thing that we all count on a nurse to be able to do for us. And it, it's great to hear it sort of put into words that way. But I have to say, um, that's got to be hard. It, it seems like something that would be really hard to teach, that you can't just reduce this to, here's a chapter on how to meet people's needs. How do you even begin to, to help nurses understand how to be more extraordinary? Well, I, I think, um, you know, this delves into the, the world of psychological associates and organizational behavior. And I think it's just, you know, you know people being really effective listeners so that you're really being mindful and you're in the moment and you're hearing what's going on and that you have compassion and you have empathy. I find myself wondering, though, in this just extraordinary time we're in, where in so many cases, if people are in a hospital, and I'm sure particularly an emergency room, if they're coming in, they can't have family members there with them. Uh, you know, we're trying to minimize the risk, and so people have to come in one-on-one. Does that make it harder for nurses, that if people aren't able to advocate for themselves, that there's nobody there to, to speak on their behalf as they're coming in? That's true, and I can you know share with you that in talking with my colleagues ac- across the country that work in emergency departments and also that work in ICUs, that's been the the hardest part. I mean, mm-hmm. we've always been that sort of you know connection, but 
this has just completely turned things around. And some of the stories that some of my colleagues from across the country have, have shared with me is, you know, this happened so fast. It was so intense. And so, you know, not every hospital has great Wi-Fi everywhere. Mm. So, it's, you know, even if you had iPads, could they all connect and all that technology stuff? So nurses were pulling out their own personal cell phones and calling family members oh for my. these patients so that their families could see them for the first time. You know, before we, we were able to get through you know, having iPads and things like that. Yeah, that's amazing. So once again, in that moment, the nurses figured out what the need was and stepped in to address it. Absolutely, absolutely. And then there was another one that I saw, and this really touched my heart. So if you think about if the face shields mm-hmm. and the, the part that goes around your head is probably a piece of plastic that's maybe about an inch, inch and a half wide that connects the face shield to your head. And one of the nurses put a piece of tape on there and wrote, you are not alone. So when that patient opened their eyes, they could look up and they could see that because, you know, we're all gowned and we're gloved and we've got face masks and, you know, all, all, I mean, and it's hard to talk behind the mask and for people to hear and machinery in the background. So I, I thought what that must have felt like for a patient to see that at that moment to know, you know, wow, uh, I am not alone. Yeah, that does seem like, once again, the nurse has figured out what that person needs and what they need is some reassurance, even from somebody whose face they can't see the way they normally would. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once again, the nurse is troubleshooting. I love it. (laughs) 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 And yet, you know, there is a cost that comes with all of this having to be Johnny on the spot. I know you did this survey. You asked more than a thousand nurses about compassion fatigue, burnout and compassion satisfaction. This was even before the whole pandemic. What did you find out from that? Well, what we learned with that was that uh, when you have compassion satisfaction, which is a satisfaction that you get from your work, that you have more enjoyment, less stress, and less anxiety. Mm-hmm. And there's a relationship to meaningful recognition, getting that acknowledgement from patients, families, and peers, and compassion satisfaction. Well, that's so that's great to hear that the work that the Daisy Foundation is doing and and others are doing, that it really does have that meaningful payoff. But I have to ask, I mentioned this in in my introduction to this conversation, people are coming up with all these novel, high-flying kind of ways to pay tribute to healthcare workers. Do we know anything about whether people howling on their porch can help a nurse feel good or people, you know, (laughs) doing a flyover with the National Guard? Does that have any impact on, on nurses feeling appreciated? Well, um, I don't know if there's any data on that, so I can just it is speak all very recent. my <laughs> own personal experience that um, it does, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. Uh, you know, meaningful recognition comes in, in many forms, so it's a, letting a person know how they made a difference and, in, in your life, and I think that you could perceive all the people on Washington Avenue howling is that you've made a difference. <laughs> There you go. That's a that's a really um, optimistic way to look at that. But uh, for those of us who have been touched by a nurse and have maybe never stopped to do anything about it, what would be your advice? Um, how could we how could we make up for that now and and maybe actually do something to to speak out about it? Well, I think you know, certainly if you or a, a loved one is in the hospital, recognize the nurse. You know, you can write a letter. You can. Uh, 
you know, fill out a DAISY nomination a lot of times when people write letters to the hospital and you can just send them to the chief nurse executive mm. at that hospital. Believe me, the chief nurses love it because it's, you know, it's a reflection of their leadership style because it's greatness and greatness happens when you have great leaders. That's, you know, organizational psychology is, you know, has the data to support that for, for decades. So they love hearing that this is going on in, in their facilities and so you, or you can nominate a nurse for DAISY award, but if you send a letter to a chief nurse, they often put it into the, the DAISY pool as well. Okay, so you'd recommend people just reach out, write that letter. People are going to be very happy to get that letter. They're, they're gonna take action. Um, I have, Sarah, I have a, a drawer in my house and, every, and in it there is a file that has every card that I've ever received from family. Mm. And I've been a nurse for 37 years. And every time I look at that folder, it the feeling that I get because it's a folder of goodness. And if somebody's out there and they're thinking, well, I had this great nurse that took care of me three years ago, five years ago, don't let time be a barrier because mm. sometimes it takes a while to be able to, to write that letter, send it in because extraordinary is timeless. Well, Cindy Lefton, I wanna thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to shout out to to nurses. Yes, and Cindy, again, she's the pro bono director of research for the DAISY Foundation. She's also vice president of organizational consulting at the St. Louis Company Psychological Associates. Um, And we thank her for her time. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.